welcome everybody to Brave New Words. We come to you live from Sledgelet 2 in Derby, and we have a massive crowd of people who are here to uh, to, to see the show. Uh, if, if, indeed, you are listening to the show live on FabRadioInternational.com, welcome, because we've come off hiatus, and we've started a whole new show. This is a recording from back in November. So, uh, we are brought to you by Starburst Magazine, of course, the wonky spanner, because you can never get a spanner wonkier, and you can find us on Android, that sort of nonsense as well. Dell is, of course, turning up with the water right in the middle of the ramble, because that's a joke, uh, because she's awesome. Uh, and also you can find us on iTunes um, by searching for Brave New Words. You can also find us on Twitter, at Radio Bookworm. You can also find us on Facebook, at Brave New Words. There's the Brave New Words Super Secret Book Club. Let's get all of that nonsense There's out of the Instagram. way. There is an Instagram. I always forget about the Instagram and the Tumblr and probably the MySpace page. Is there a reason about the Tumblr mostly? I think we still have a MySpace page, even though MySpace probably doesn't exist. Anyway, um, yes, so. Uh, and if that hasn't gotten you in touch with us so far, you're not trying hard enough. As you can probably tell, it's very close to the end of the day and there were book launches with wine. Sorry, listener. So, uh, let's start with the introductions. My name, of course, is Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... I'm Del. I'm Steve. I'm Ross. I'm Paul. I'm Gav. As you might tell, we've got some extra guests. So, Gav, tell us what you do. Hi, I'm Gav Thorpe. I write books, mostly for a living. I spent the last nearly 20 years doing that. Uh, mostly known for writing for the Black Library in the Warhammer and Warhammer 40,000 universities, although I do have a, an original fantasy trilogy out from Andrew Robot called The Ground of the Blood. Uh, I'm Paul Kane. I've been writing and editing for about the same amount of time as Gav, about 20 years, um, and uh, my latest book is Sherlock Holmes and the Servants of Hell. I'm Stephen Volk. I'm mainly a screenwriter, but I also write short stories and novellas. Um, I started with the film, uh, Ken Russell's film Gothic, that was my first screenplay in the mid-80s, so I've been going for about 30 odd years now, remarkably, and I wrote uh, Ghostwatch, the Halloween hoax in 1992 that was on BBC, and the TV show Afterlife. So coming up now, a jingle! Across the world, 24 hours a day. Wasn't that a lovely jingle? It was a lovely jingle. Every every time we have a lovely jingle, and you know, we we just don't hear it often enough, is the problem of the lovely jingle. News, what news? (laughs) (laughs) Right, so uh, first up, uh, Dr. Seuss sues Mr. Spock. I don't know if any of you caught this, Um, but the estate of Dr. Seuss is suing an indie comics uh, company over their Star Trek Dr. Seuss mashup called All the Places You Will Boldly Go, <laughs> which is full of absolute charming images of uh, Dr. Zeus-style crew of the Starship Enterprise going to, boldly going to places, meeting Lorax and then getting phasered. Uh, <laughs> it, it's created by uh, Ty Hamilton, who's done a whole lot of uh, Batman stuff, uh, and David Gerald, who is David Gerald. Um, how do you describe David Gerald to people who don't know who David Gerald is? Well, if you don't know who he is, how do you describe him? That's a very good question. Um, he's, he's he's written for Star Trek. <laughs> he's written for Star Trek. He wrote The Trouble of Tribbles. Didn't he write yeah. a book about Star Trek as well? He also wrote a book about Star Trek. <clears throat> he's also one of those people that keeps turning up at things like the Hugo Awards and uh, causing... Also, his second name is also a first name. That's true. David Jell. A bit yes. like Rebecca Derrick. That's Yay. good, isn't it? You like him already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, it's all gone. It's all kind of gone horribly wrong because they did a Kickstarter. I saw the Kickstarter when it came out. I was like, "Oh, this looks hilarious." Let's let's. I didn't back it because I don't have any money, but <laughs> it looks fantastic. Um, unfortunately, um, Comics publisher Glenn Hellman greenlit the project. They crowdfunded it. It got the money, um, and then the they kind of said when they were doing it, "It's like you might get sued. You might lose your money." Uh, but we'll be fine, I'll give it a go. Uh, Paramount haven't said anything as yet about this, but it, which is interesting. Unfortunately, the estate of Dr. Zeus have. 
there, the complaint the complainant seeks up to $150,000 in damages for each separate Dr. Zeus copyrighted work. So that's pretty much every page for $150,000. Ouch. Yeah. How much did they raise on the Kickstarter? Not that much. Right. Enough to cover costs and pay the artists and the writers. But it's also, it includes, it's the $150,000 per infringement and, in a, sorry, in addition to any profit. Yeah. So. And core cost. Yeah. It's not going to go well, is it? <laughs> Because it's all it's all done. The, all the work's been done, so so the actual work exists. But does not the estate of Doctor Zeus infamously not actually have a sense of humour, which is one of those slightly ironic things. As opposed to all the other literary estates. <laughs> <laughs> so you can stay. You've got it right. <laughs> I just if you have a mashup between Doctor Zeus and Mister Spock, isn't that just another Doctor Spock? Uh, uh, Doctor Spock? Do you mean Mr. Spock? No, Doctor Spock, the baby expert. Uh, are we talking about Doctor Spock or Mr. Spock? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Doctor Mr. Spock. Or <laughs> Mr. Spock. Or is Doctor Seuss actually German for Seuss? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Clue was in the name. Doctor Seuss. Yeah. Doctor Seuss. Yeah. Seuss. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> The clues were in front of us all along. So we're probably not going to see that product, are we? Because if, if you're those guys, you just go. Let's just back away from this carefully and quietly. But let's back away from using other people's copyright characters. As Before well. we've asked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's usually a good idea. See, they're arguing that it's parody and therefore fair use. Mm-hmm. Ah. I was really? going to say, like, how likely is it that the court will, like, who's, whose side the court going to take on it? Because they, they're quite rightly making the claim that it's parody from what I can see. But you don't want to ever let anything go to court because judges just can they afford to take it? Well, precisely. But mm. this is also a Star Trek fan thing, and Star Trek fan things, and uh, fan genre fan things anyway, legendarily bootleg. Mm. So I. But is there a difference between if somebody just written it and put it on archive of our own with some fan art on there? There's a difference between that. And kickstarting it for money that you will pay. To well, lawyers lawyers t- traditionally wake up when they smell money, don't they? Yeah, um, that's the thing. If it was just a little stupid thing that wasn't going to pay, Paramount are interestingly quiet, which is interesting because Paramount were involved in a very complicated court case over fan movies uh, based on Star Trek, and the problem arose when the people who were making the very professional fan movies went. Well, we're going to form our own business and do this, at which point the lawyers went to make money. Because yeah. they started to make money. So, Paramount are probably backing away from it, but what I suspect will almost certainly happen is if this stock has already been made, it's just going to get sold under the counter at fan conventions and make a fortune. If they release it for free, do we still have the same issue? Because um, there, was a James, there was a James Franco, Seth Rogen. Wasn't there, and weren't they getting sued? And so they just put it on YouTube rather than released it. They gave it to people for free instead. Is that the one that almost ended the world? Yeah, the the interview. The interview. That's was that the one. was that because they were getting sued? Uh, I think it's because they nearly started a war, didn't they? Yeah, they nearly started a war in North Korea. Yeah, it famously has a sense of humour <laughs> and lawyers and lawyers. <laughs> Shall we move swiftly on? Yes. Before, because I would like to point out Starburst is also run by a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mike. Um, anyway, uh, Janet Alice is up for the bad sex prize. Here's one she made earlier. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, oh Using oh. sticky back plastic. Uh, former Blue Peter presenter and... <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible radio, but the expression on Dell's face is remarkable. Object no. horror. If you've seen um, the screen, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'll just make that face. Janet <laughs> yeah, um, is up for the bad sex point. Um, everyone here familiar with Janet Alice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's childhood's familiar with Janet Alice? No, 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 I'm older than the rest of you, so I don't uh, really know. about to be destroyed. Uh, Janet Ellis <laughs> was a presenter on. Uh, CBBC stalwart production Blue Peter yeah she was one of the presenters in the 1980s so you know very wholesome uh, she is the mother 
of charts topping star person Sophie Ellis Baxter um, and now she's apparently uh, well listen I, I killed off Oscar. Sarah Green so I know about Blue Peter yeah <laughs> you did indeed similar yeah anyway um, she was in Doctor Who as well wasn't she uh, she was. She was in um, uh, Horns of Nimon, I would say. It's probably wrong. Last year's Bad Sex Award was won by Morrissey, if I recall. Yeah. It was. Uh, and you can Has a Doctor Who title ever had the word sex in? I don't think so. You had to think about it. I did have to think about <laughs> it, because I've read an awful lot of fan fiction, and sometimes I get them confused. <laughs> <laughs> Is it wrong that all I could think about them was bigger on the inside? Uh, oh, yeah. oh, no. Actually, a thing in fan fiction. I'm sure it is. It's yeah. referred to as the <clears throat> time cock. Um, and I'll say no more. That's going to be some creative editing. <laughs> <laughs> Not straightforward editing. You're going to be creative. I, yeah. I, I appreciate creativity. So, yeah, so Janet Ellis is up for the bad sex award. Yeah, um, it's it's created by it's basically it's it's sex is both badly written and bad sex in this particular instance. It's sort of a publicity thing by yeah. the Liberty Review to to focus on the rest of their awards. Yeah, um, but everyone concentrates on the bad sex award. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, I didn't even know they did other awards. <laughs> is there a good sex, sex award? No, there isn't, but there should be. <laughs> Which actually was a major discussion point when, when this whole thing happened last year. Which was, why are we focusing on this when we could actually be focusing on positive portrayals of good sex? How does that work? I mean, does it work, you'll forgive the turn of phrase, but does it work like Strictly Come Dancing, where they have the signs, and it's like, seven! I mean, is there a panel? How is that? Is there a panel well, for this a panel for that. I can't sex imagine that good sex ever involves Ed Balls. <laughs> 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the, the bad sex awards are apparently to point out problem- problematic sex moments in, in books. So do we need to point out I thought good? it was just badly written. Yes, no, I we, thought it was do. just badly written, not the, not the content I think, of I think what it was going on. I think it's faction, factors of both badly written and just generally a poor depiction of, of the joy of sex is the, the general brief. But don't they just just exist so that Charles Dance can read them out on the big fat quiz, quiz of the year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of them are badly written. Some of them are also bad sex, which is probably a more subjective judgment by a lot of people. Is that usually a contributing factor to the deciding the winner? I'm not sure. There's also premature romantic narrative syndrome. I thought that sentence was going to go somewhere else in the middle, <laughs> which is where which is where the sex turns up too early in the narrative, uh. and it, it's. Essentially, the author is desperate to get this scene out of the way because it has to be there somewhere, and they've just gotten out of the way. And you're sitting there going, "I wasn't expecting that," and that feels so. So, <laughs> it's but, a yeah, serious problem. but there is an argument that there should be a good sex award um, for a lot, lot of, of um, lots of feminist reasons. But then, what would um, sniggering public school boys do with their time? Well, absolutely. Well, they've got two lists to look at. Then. And I can't think. And one of them's a good example and a good role model. I can't think of a huge amount of good sex in literature. So if you had to pick one every year, you'd potentially be left with picking not great sex and still giving it that this is good sex. The thing, yeah. the thing is, a slightly serious point is, if you take anything <laughs> out of context, it's going to seem ridiculous. Yes, that's, mm-hmm. that's really where it's a bit bogus. This whole thing. I mean, you can make anything sound crappy if you just. That's it, because when, when they when they sort of release the, the press release, they give you three line snippets of the books, and you do just read and go, "What? <laughs> how how has this happened at all?" But it's like if you took three lines out of any book, most of it would probably sound absolutely ridiculous. I mean, of some entire books sound ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> From authors I've talked to, action scenes are one of the hardest things to write. The combat is incredibly difficult to write, and good combat tends to be you know. Good, good body horror, good combat, and anything action generally. And when it comes to sex, you've also got that you know bit of the cables going on at the same time. So it's like, yeah. Well, another subject: should there be a bad combat award? Yeah, but it's not as funny, and we can't giggle at it. That's fair. Yeah. Are you drawing, drawing parallels between combat it's a British, and sex? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really <laughs> British preoccupation to laugh at sex. It is. It, it very much is. Yes. Um, 
So, moving on swiftly to... Uh, oh, blimey. Jane Fenn, he says, uh, is a guest of honour at PicoCon. PicoCon is adorable. If, has anyone ever been on... TV? What's PicoCon? PicoCon is uh, the UK's pioneer science fiction convention. Hence the name, PicoCon. Uh, it's held at the Imperial College Union. Uh, it's going to be February the 18th. And it's tiny. It's like this tiny little mini student union convention. It's like a tenner, maybe twelve quid to turn up. And they, they by the time this goes out, will people will have happened? Yeah, no. You'll still be able to get to people come. Okay, uh, it's tiny. They have uh, Stuart Ashens, who's a YouTube celebrity chap, uh, does the bad merchandise section every year, uh, a bit like Edgelit's raffle section, where he smashes things because they're rubbish. Uh, and it's just silly and charming. Uh, Paul Canal was guest upon it this year, I believe. So that kind of how works. small is the event? A tiny. No, I mean, are we talking you know, guest uh, guest numbers in the units? Um, I, I, to be honest, I have no idea because I've never been able to find it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how big's the doorway? <laughs> tiny. Um, I, I'm assuming it's surrounded by dwarves. Um, so. One of the other guests uh, was one of the guests of honour here today. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Justine just, just Robson, sorry. <laughs> that, would, that would be helpful, wouldn't it? Uh, Al Robson and uh, Clark Award winning Paul McCauley, uh, which apparently is his full name now, Clark Award winning Paul McCauley, uh, <laughs> is, is, will also uh, be attending that event. Um, oh, uh, European Science Fiction Society Awards have been announced. Yay! None of us got to Barcelona this year. Uh, because it was in November and it was cold and also we work in publishing. Uh, congratulations to all the winners of the European Science Fiction Society Awards. Um, they were announced at UCon 2017 in Barcelona. Um, the best author went to Tom Croshall in Latvia. Best artist went to Stephen Martinere in France. These things exist so I just have to pronounce for names, don't they? Uh, and best publisher is Nova, which uh, edition is Baby, which is a Spanish you're, you're look, staring at me because my Spanish accent is appalling. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can we are, move? Are, we, are we allowed to be annoyed at that because Ed is Spanish? We're allowed to be amused by it. Because <laughs> the fact that Ed doesn't have a Spanish accent and is Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking of Eurocon, uh, uh, 2017 will be in Dortmund in Germany. Uh, but everyone will be in Helsinki, so never mind. Um, <laughs> if you can only go to one con next year, you're going to Helsinki. Uh, and 2018 will be in France. Um, Amiens, Amiens, Amiens. Someone help me. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> can't read French. I got an E at GCSE. Um, well, can you get an E at anything? In they invented it just for me. This is like the teeth of trolling, yes. Yeah. Um, but apparently, Amiens, which I'm pronouncing wrong, is because it's called Nemo 2018, and that's where Jules Verne wrote a whole lot of his science fiction. Excellent. It's like they've got the French equivalent of little blue plaques saying. So they're going to have in 2018. They're going to have a big Jules Verne themed um, convention in France. Yay! Yay! Mm. Uh, Want to talk about what conventions anybody on the panel is looking forward to? Oh, that's a good. That's that's, a, that's content. That's a really good idea. Um, Gav. Um, <laughs> <laughs> next year, I've never been before. So next year, I might actually be going to EasterCon because normally because at Easter actually I see family and things like that. So I've never been able to go this year. I've kind of arranged things that we've seen family around Easter, but not actually on the Easter weekend. So I'm actually quite looking forward to that. And it's and moved from Dave Entry to and Peterborough. And it's, no, no, that's Fantasy Con. Oh, Fantasy Con is in Birmingham, I believe, which again, I can probably get to back in the day from Nottingham, so um, I won't be away too long, but I'm looking forward to that because I've not done that one before. I should probably insert a joke about it, but unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did Easter Con this year and in Manchester, and it was great fun. It, it was great fun, but it does never end. Are you still there? Yes, <laughs> it's, it's like but like California, you can never leave um, because it's the entire Easter weekend. It starts on Thursday morning and it's still going on Monday afternoon. So it's a commitment. It's still going on Tuesday technically because of the dead dog part. That which is, that continues. is true. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the original Easter was quite a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> so then you can just turn up on the Thursday and then pop back again on the Sunday. 
day tickets work slightly different. Yeah. Only three day tickets. Yeah, yeah. Just, wa- just watch out for that first meal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, the line was crossed a bit, a bit again. Or is he quite too soon? <laughs> The line has been crossed. The line was drawn over there somewhere. You see, I've done panels at EasterCon, and I have to say, I've looked Yeah, let's not do this joke there. <laughs> luckily, I haven't been crucified, but there's a. Angel! <laughs> anyway, Paul! <laughs> um, I think StokerCon next year, because uh, it's in Long Beach, California, um, in April, I think, I believe it is. Um, myself and my better half Marie uh, run the UK um, well, arm of the Horror Writers Association. It's, it's their convention. Um, there's uh, people like George R. R. Martin, Getters Guests, and Peter Crowther from PS Publishing. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, and it's on the Queen Queen Mary. Queen Mary. Oh, yeah, very so nice. That should be quite nice. Yeah. Looking forward better to than Beachicon, which is in Stoke. Good beaches in Stoke. <laughs> Steve. 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 Oh, I don't look forward to anything. Fantasy Con is the only one that's definite in the diary. Uh, but also, if I can get to Edgelit, that would be great um, in the summer. But I haven't been to any international ones for a long time. I used to like work fantasy and that kind of thing, but no. I just haven't got the opportunity to go uh, lately, but I'd like to. Where um, Brittany Reds is on the free land, we'll the Starburst one this year. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> 2017 Starburst International yeah, yeah, yeah. Film Festival. We'll give you details when we have those yeah, details. Yeah. Mike! Um, I very much enjoyed the one in Manchester, of w- at which I was a guest, uh, special guest. You, you earned it. Yeah. Um, it's it's probably going to be in Manchester again because that's where all our stuff is. Can they um, make sure there's somewhere to actually get food this time? <laughs> Mike, make a note. <laughs> there, there, was, there was a student union, but you could get pizza and that was it. That was uh, the problem. Uh, that was the basic problem is you can get pizza it was great I, I, I went home late one night and I ran into Lady Penelope yes wow. oh hang on that I mean literally the, the puppet was walking along the street <laughs> at one o'clock at night no I'm not kidding on its own Manchester it was and Scott Tracy um, that was quite a moment you laugh you laugh I was moved I was moved oh, that is impressive there was a moment where it almost looked like we would have to get legally detonated uh, a Star Trek Enterprise console because Scooby didn't understand what it was or was slightly scared of it and thought it might be a bomb until someone explained to them that it was a bit of a starship and then shuffled off embarrassed. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, it was a good event, actually. Star Wars International Film Festival. Uh, and uh, Papi Amashi... Sorry, this Papi Amashi boulder is too heavy when the uh, big indie world I, I love it. if you've not seen it do see it uh, this Papier Mache Border is too heavy is an indie movie made by a bunch of crazy Kiwis uh, about people who get trapped in science fiction movies it's great fun. the guy the guy that was at, at, um, talking about behind the scenes of Star Wars when it was made was fantastic guy that was um, working at the studio from his perspective when it was budgeted and made and that kind of thing which I, I think was, he, he gave a talk about an hour and a half long which I thought my gosh this is going to be one that will either work or not work but it was fantastic there was loads of stuff that you didn't know uh, well I personally didn't know maybe you guys it, were. It, it was an interesting I mean we're going off the top of the books but it was an interesting treasure trove of an event mm-hmm. because what they what they did is they did do what stop us do which is dig dig into genre and pull out as many treasures as possible and say look this is really cool and I seem to recall I mean it, what we, what they wanted is they wanted it to be a proper film festival where deals were done and indie movies were made and that has already happened indie movies have been made, been made deals have been done at the actual festival people met each other and did stuff and next year 20, 2017 it should be bigger um, we'll also be at Helsinki 2017 hopefully yeah uh, Worldcon because it's, it's on the on a plane for an hour and then yeah. we can avoid the polar bears which apparently don't exist in Helsinki it's yeah. all a lie there's no polar bears in Helsinki next one shall we continue um, Kenya Barris wins the Serling Award I didn't know this existed until recently there's a thing called the Rod Serling Award for advancing social justice through popular media and that's been run, run by a guy called Kenya Barris so there we go 
Um, Gorons to publish the latest Wild Cards book. George R. R. Martin's long running series, Superhero Series Wild Cards, is now being published by Gorons, uh, the UK's oldest fantasy publishing imprint. So there you go. Um, Wild Cards has been going on since forever. I, I, don't, I can't actually remember a time when it hasn't been like there. But anyway, it's What's been, been very interesting today from various panels that I've been to, and um, it's kind of it seems to have come up a lot. And if you're at a genre fiction thing, George R. R. Martin is probably going to get mentioned at some point. The thing that seems to be said more than anything else from people I've heard today is that we haven't read him. <laughs> I, I don't know who is reading him, but apparently it's not people in the world of, of genre fiction. Every panel I've been to, most of the, the panellists, it's come up and been like, never read a George R. R. Martin book um, or seen the TV show. Um, I just found that very intriguing because I thought I was the only one. <laughs> um, I've never read a book, I have watched a TV series. Again, I've read a couple of the books and watched some of the TV series. I was prepared to give up on the TV series after the end of season five, and then an actor I liked was cast in season six. So I watched season six, but now that character's that actor's character is dead, uh, which is not a spoiler because it's Game of Thrones. So yeah, so I give up there. I was slightly disappointed because it's Essie Davis yeah. was the actor, and I, I was See, like, "Now that is a spoiler because yeah. I can't do it." Um, but it's Essie Davis. She's either she's either going to go and kill everyone, mm. or get horribly murdered by some sort of animated puppet monster from outside books. Mm. Um, there's an obscure. This is, the, this is the lesser known Sean Bean curse. This is the lesser known Sean Bean curse. Um, I'm always I always get annoyed by Sean Bean's name. He's either Sean Bourne or Sean Bean. He needs to choose one. Well, this is why the universe hates him. Yes. <gasps> you take that back. And it's just he dies off. No, Do we have any more news or is that it? Um, Jack Chicks died. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that was the most wonderfully sensitive way we could have portrayed that information. Yes, Fun especially testing. with your laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so, any news? A man died. So Jack Chick was a notorious cartoonist and evangelist. And he is probably best known for his comic book pamphlets. Uh, one of which is called Dark Dungeons. Dark Dungeons is a tiny pamphlet that your mum might have been given to terrify her into stopping you from playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, or that sort of thing he, he used to create these tiny little kind of evangelical pamphlets that were full of crazy I think it's the slightly, slightly, slightly off word full of not very good ideas shall we, shall we edit that uh, full of not very good ideas slightly I think anyone who tabletop role played will know who Jack Chick is yeah, looking at yeah. <laughs> That's what we We're looking yeah, at Gav. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was, yeah, and, it, and it was kind of kind of keen into the moral panic and Satanism and all this kind of rubbish, basically. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, and if you play Dungeons and Dragons, it's a bit there was a film as well. Right? I can't remember what it was. There was a documentary with that. Hand. Oh, monsters and is it monsters, monsters and mazes? Monsters and mazes, featuring and young Tom Hanks. Yes, um, and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, so yeah, if your kids play Dungeons and Dragons and they're going to start worshiping these for murdering each other. And although that wasn't quite the objective thing, it was it was kind of that similar vibe of it being a front against God and all the, other kinds of weirdness. The Jack Chick guy uh, said that basically bumping games would lead you into Satanism yeah. and, and madness. And no, nothing that exciting ever happened when I played D&D. If, if Satanists had turned up, they would have made it more exciting. I, I, I can remember looking at the, the, the Jack Chick comic strip, and it's full basically the table is 50% women, <laughs> which was false <laughs> advertising. For start. Also, they were hot golf chicks, which was, you know, false advertising again. Uh, and I, I almost wrote a letter of complaint to Jack Chick because I was expecting, you know, I was expecting the Satanism. Do you think uh, it what like, I got was some nerds rolling dice. Do you think that was it? It was actually some kind of projection fantasy thing of a poor, lonely dungeon master. And that's what I was hoping would happen. And actually, didn't have any friends to run DD for at all. Oh. So oh. he created this entire fantasy world where he's actually going to become a Satanist and lose the love don't make me feel sad for Jack Chick. No, not for it. Not for it. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> um, do you think the antipathy in the, in, the, in the quad today about Game of Thrones that you sense from the fantasy audience is because uh, it's become mainstream and mainstream, mainstream have taken to a fantasy series and it's kind of like the hardcore fans of heroic fantasy are saying, no, 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 that's our... You can't have it. We like that. We'll tell you whether it's any good. 
That's interesting, actually, because funds funds always do that. They try and kind of appropriate and uh, possess possessiveness of certain product. I think that yeah, it's, it's, the, it's like the indie band thing, isn't it? I was in yeah, yeah, band before that's exactly what I was thinking of. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Well, I mean, as, a, as an event, actually, it's very uh, deep in the, in the sense it's a very dedicated fan base here. It's very much into. The, the genres are into the things. You see, I'm slightly surprised when people say I have because because I've read plenty of George Orwell Martin, but as far as I'm concerned, George Orwell Martin is one of many fantasy authors, and I, I'm kind of I know he's, I knew his science fiction better than his fantasy. To be honest, I knew wild cards better than than fantasy. Did he start writing horror originally? Was he a horror author before you yeah, started? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He wrote um, oh goodness, uh, vampires. Really good as well. Can't mm. name, the, name the novel. I met the man and I asked him about it, and I can't remember the name of the book. I do know he edited the anthology that um, Hellbound Heart was in, which was Clive Barker's, you know, mm. turning to Hellraiser, mm. um, and that's where I first came across across him. And he, he wrote I think I think he secretly wants to write the pirate stories because of his name, George R. R. Martin. <laughs> oh, oh, that's terrible. Mm. Obsess-you. <laughs> <laughs> And apparently she'd walk in the room and I'd just be crying on the floor and she'd ask me what was wrong and I'd just be crying, just going, I love that man! I love that man! I did not know that. Was, I see, I like him a lot more now. Yeah. There you go. Brilliant. Fantastic man. Never hear a bad word said against him. Well, he, he did write a lot of kind of like the 80s urban fantasy stuff. Aww. And I think in interviews he's denied. He's like, I, that genre, that genre's full of, you know... Women in tight leather, and it's like, no, no, you, you did invent that genre, George, or you were one of the people who had the idea at the same time, because no one really invents a genre. I don't think. That's I, I, mm. not. Mm. I think. Well, I think it's the British thing as well. Is we just dislike success. People getting above the station by actually you know, earning money and syndicating and all that kind of stuff, and, and particularly because it's not been very visible. A lot of his works aren't, weren't necessarily visible. It seems like it's no like success, even though he's worked for 20 years before it all happened. Yeah, yeah it's kind of. Like, I had to work 20 years. Yeah, something gets a level of success and it's like, that's not all. It's too successful. Sorry, you should be staying in your place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> it's a fascinating mad scramble to see them try and create the next Game of Thrones because <laughs> Game of Thrones is coming to the end mm. and we're getting a grim, dark version of The Wizard of Oz. No, but it looks amazing. And it's like, you know, because, uh, you know, the. The Clockwork Man is the sorry the, the Tin Man is a cyborg. Sci-fi miniseries kind of the same sort of thing. I got distracted by that because it had uh, Zuri. So he was like a, a mob assassin type thing, yeah. mob enforcer type thing. It had Zuri this channel as Dorothy, yeah, and there was another actress who was the Wicked Witch, and she had the monkey tattoos across her chest. So every time she unleashed the monkeys, I was just like, that's. What? Yeah, it was it was gratuitous kind of chest shot Back and to, to monkeys flying, monkeys flying, and I was just like. Back to the bad yeah, with the wheelers. Um, um, yeah. I, yeah, the wheelers. Mm. Um, but I remember when I was younger, the, the wheelers did scare me, and the witch with with the no heads, because the, the baddie was a witch who would take she she collect pretty girls' heads and she change her head for them, and that used to terrify me. And I watched it a couple of years ago for the first time in a really long time. The beginning bit in the real world is is horrifically terrifying, much more terrifying than anything that's happening in Oz. Because she's come back from Oz and keeps telling these stories, they take her in for ECT. Mm. It's it's horrible. Like it's not a nice. I think the the idea of making Oz evil is exceptionally easy to do because if you think about it, it's already not a nice story. Oh. That was good. Good conversation starter. So, well but, done. But there's, but there's other stuff that they're, so they've done the um, they've done the 
Shannon Lam- Lam- Ding Dong Chronicles. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Shinoa. The Shinoa books. They're in the Shinoa TV series. And um, I've seen it. I've seen it. What did you think? I thought it was entertaining. Yes. Entertaining is about as close as I think we can get. Um, yeah, I think it would. It was quite Legend of the Seeker-esque. Um, that like a teen version of Xena with better costumes. Elf of the Week. Mm. I like the idea of Elf of the Week. Though. It's like Elf of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> and CGI. The CGI demons were quite nice. But yeah, mm. again, it was another kind of let's try and make a big fantasy TV series on a budget of 15 pence. Shall we move on to talk about Slytherin? Shall we talk? Oh, the event that we're actually at. The event that we're actually at. With these lovely guest hosts. So, um, we'll start. We'll start with Del. Del, how was your sledge? I've had a lovely time. Yeah, very interesting. Been to interesting panels. The launches have been fun. Um, Apparently, there's wine. That would have been nice to be warned about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean, apparently, there's wine? Never been, never been to a book launch before, so that was a nice surprise. Um, but yeah, the, the panels I've been to were definitely worth going to, and there have been lots of interesting people as well. Steve? Um, yeah, I feel a bit frazzled at the end of the day, to be honest with you. I did an interview um, about my new collection, which is called The Parts We Play, uh, which has just been published by PS Publishing, a uh, short story collection, and... Um, so I, I wasn't frazzled because of the interview about that. That was quite nice. But um, uh, then it was quickly followed by a uh, panel discussion about awards, which delved into the Hugo Awards and the Lovecraft bust and uh, judged awards versus popularity awards or membership awards. And all the I thought that was really fascinating and uh, it was uh, brilliant. Um, uh, the other... When I went in on this morning was uh, what was it about? I've forgotten. You see, it's all it's all become a big blur. But I love coming here for just hanging out with my crowd. You know, my tribe, which I'm sure you, everyone around this table, um, really acknowledges that. You you know, write, writers can be very live in isolation a lot of the time. So these little beacons through the year of meeting your own kind and frolicking for a short amount of time. Uh, with no, no kind of apology for being interested in the weird stuff that we're interested in because there's no kind of civilians to be um, yawning in the background um, it's great fun and I look forward to it and it's, it, it's just fantastic to meet up with you know, uh, colleagues and friends that I maybe see once or twice a year and you can, you can keep in contact on Facebook and various things like that but it's not, it's not quite the same as hanging out in the bar and uh, shooting the breeze so I love it. Awesome. No, well, definitely keep it. having having a bar is a good idea. Now I've been at several of the panels. I've been at uh, there was let's see, fantasy on how the whether on uh, single books versus series. Um, I've been to several panels. I do remember what they were all about. No, I've, <laughs> <laughs> there was one awards. There was one short fiction. That, yeah, there've been interesting discussions about all kinds of different things, which is what. You come in here for find out what the good opinion, what the opinions are. Um, if you are trying to write something, whether I mean, possibly even whether there's a, you know, a strategic approach you should be following, what are the pitfalls, what are the the horror stories some of the authors have been through. Um, in a lit- well, usually to the literary context, you know, from the perspective of a career, there are you know, I'm sure there are horror stories they don't tell us about, but they just turn it into books. But. Well, uh, well, I've not done any frolicking. That might come <laughs> later on. I would move the bar. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's all complete frolics. Fro- I can't even say it. Complete frolics. Frolics. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I had a book launch today, uh, The Spirits of Christmas, um, in, in honour of kind of Christmas time. A little mini collection from Black Shook Books, which has been given away in the raffle. I was on a panel earlier about um, was horror, is horror trapped? That was the one. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> trapped. <laughs> horror trapped, um, which yeah. was basically became is horror pushing its boundaries. That yeah, was the, that came was to the discussion. Came right? to the conclusion that it was kind of infiltrating other other genres, like a kind of zombie virus. But, um, but yeah, again, as Steve says, you know, hanging about with people you've not seen for a while, and you know, just shooting the breeze and talking genre stuff. And, you know, brilliant. Yeah, I've had a good day. Um, I was not, I, often, I've been to a few SLEX. It's the first SLEX that 
a couple of those books before, and I often do like a panel around the workshop. I don't have a workshop this time because I didn't have time to prepare one. But uh, it was quite a good day actually. The first thing I did, I, I was at the sort of like interview and reading Justina, uh, guest of honour. That was quite interesting. So it's nice to just hear other authors talking about what they do. And to be honest, that's most of the day. It's either swapping more stories or bitching or congratulating each other and just working out, you know, finding out, like I say, that tribe, <clears throat> spending time with other authors and thinking, yeah, okay, actually that all sounds quite familiar. We've all got our own little <laughs> flavour of being a bit of a weird sort of introvert strangeness that we get up to, but actually there are other people a bit like us also writing stuff. I think it um, tends to be with write, when writers get together that I find that we very rarely talk about kind of like the stories that we're writing. It's more about... Yeah, we shoot the breeze about the business and also about what to be honest it's about sharing what you've seen or, or, or read that's really exciting and yes. that's, yeah. that's always really Being inspiring you always leave these weekends or days um, I think very inspired I find that I, I find that ideas start kind of percolating because you've got a lot of input from various people and a lot of Good conversation. Yeah. I think some of the, the silliest and most ridiculous conversations I've ever had have been at events like this. Mm. I have to. Producer Al, how, how's your event been? Um, it's been good. Yeah, I've done a couple of workshops. I've done one about social media, um, which is basically get someone actually posting it, <laughs> pretty much. At Radio Bookweb. Yeah. Uh, um, have and yeah, all about like, having conversations with people and getting the work out there and getting publicised and stuff. Um, and it was sort of interesting how much the expectation is that authors will do a lot of that for themselves, um, even if they're sort of published by, uh, by you know, uh, one of the uh, big press guys. Um, I also think about landscapes, um, which is interesting. Um, we ended up having to do a bit of work in that, doing some writing from sort of prompts of here's pictures of landscaping, write about what you think about it. Um, yeah, and I went to a couple of book launches as well. Uh, I did know about the wine in advance, <laughs> which is why I've not driven here today. Um, quite unusually. Um, yeah, it's because it's been quite a chilled out day. Um, because this is only the second year of Sledge Lit, it's a little bit quieter, I think, than Edge Lit is. Um, so it is, I think, a little bit easier in some ways to actually catch up with and chat to people. It feels like a bit more of a stripped down program essentially. It's not yeah. usually there's only one panel at a time, whereas actually I think you have two panels or there's a couple of different rooms going on as well as the workshop as well as the thing. So it's a bit easier just to kind of keep going along a single track. It feels more social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's warmer, I think, although they're both very warm events. Yeah. I think it's more I think it's got a more social atmosphere to it. This is described in the programme as the office Christmas party for writers because otherwise you won't get one because <laughs> inevitably you're sat at home in your pyjamas. I, I organise a freelancer's Christmas do oh. for some people I know around Nottingham and stuff like that. So we, on Friday we get together to have a Christmas do. Because we don't have to You can come, yeah, I'll send you an email. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Um, yeah, because you don't get to do that. You don't get to sit around and kind of have beers and, and mess about at Christmas. Yeah. See, I did know about the wine. The yes. time I didn't know about the wine was my first ever Worldcon. I had just been made literary editor for Starburst magazine, like that week. And they kind of, we don't have a literary editor, we need one, that's you now, Ed. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, because that's how it works. Um, and I get off the, the train, walk in, go to my first book launch, and I can't really remember much about Worldcon after that. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but it tasted great. <laughs> <laughs> but it was delicious. Yeah. Um, so, uh, shall we come to the bit where we normally, if this was a pre-recorded show and it wasn't a live show, we would be doing the thing where we would talk to lovely authors. Uh, we'd have the pre-recorded bit where we talk to lovely authors. Luckily, we have three lovely authors. Um, so, um, uh, Paul, look, I'm putting you on the spot because I'm a horrible human being. Um, okay. You mentioned that you've got some new stuff coming out. What's coming out? What can we see from you soon? Uh, what should we expect? Okay, um, I've got a novella out through Horrific Tales called The Rock at the moment, which is a post-apocalyptic, uh, it's kind of first-person uh, audio recordings from a survivor of a kind of, you know, it's devastating what was happening this virus. Um, because I'm so old, I've got a 20th anniversary uh, best of. Like it's a time of year where you put like the greatest hits. <laughs> 
things out. I've got one of those coming out through SST, which is called Shadow Casting. Um, it's duets with Perry Cohen. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> um, and I've got a sort of crime psychological collection coming out in March called Nail Biters, um, which ho- we're hopefully going to launch uh, at the Quad. Um, that's been introduced by Paul Finch, and we're hopefully going to have an event around that in about, about March time, something like that. I've got a few Black Library things coming out. Um, so uh, I've got, they do an advent every year, so there's like a short story and audio every day of December. So I've got a couple of those, one audio and one short story, which are sort of based in the Horace Heresy series. <coughs> and I've also, on Wednesday is my deadline for the novel I'm currently writing at the moment, um, which will be delivered on Wednesday. Um, uh, because it's the last day of the month and I'll get to invoice for it. Um, <laughs> uh, which is Lorgar, which is part of that Primark series. Really enjoying that, actually. 50,000 word novel. Um, and then actually for the rest of the year, I, I'm doing, I've got an audio, short audio series I'm writing for Black Library, which I uh, will be doing in December, as well as uh, then in the new year I'll be launching into some more wine for thousand novels and things. Aside from that, again, over the next couple of weeks I'm writing a novella, which is part of a series that a few of us concocted about a year ago, really, uh, some fellow Black Library authors and others, so David Allendale, Josh Reynolds, um, C.L. Werner, Kimmerer, and uh, a couple of other authors, uh, William Michael, I think that's how you pronounce his surname, uh, and it's called Cryptid Clash. So we're all kind of fans of cryptids, cryptozoology kind of thing. So it's essentially cryptozoology meets the old monster match type films. So it's all one verse type of cryptid versus another. So like, I don't think it's exactly type, but it'd be like Yeti versus the Bodmin, who's the Bodmin kind of thing. <laughs> Um, so we're doing a series of these 15 to 30,000 word novellas that we've been released by, I think, I think they're called 18 for all publications in the US as digital and then um, bound copies. Uh, so I've got right mine, which is called Conquest, Conquest of the New World, I'm doing basically a sci-fi version, um, which is kind of a bit of a, I wouldn't say parody, maybe inspired by Aliens, um, <laughs> I would say, and, and kind of inverting a bunch of stuff from sort of like the sort of B-movies and things like that, so I'm looking forward to writing that. So I'm, I'm sold because I'm a, a big fan of Yetis and B, Alien Big Cats is one of those things I just like I just love the phrase Alien Big Cats Alien Big Cats because yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it just means a lion that's escaped from the zoo mm. but you think it's going to have tentacles because it's an Alien Big Cat yeah. <laughs> oh, right. well I'll, I'll, I'll kind of segue into a link with cryptids because one of the stories in my new collection features uh, Professor Challenger Conan Doyle's mm. Professor Challenger and it's um he goes in pursuit of a uh, folkloric um, character, which may or may not exist. But as I say, said earlier on, the collection is called The Parts We Play. It comes from PS Publishing. Um, I'm very pleased with it. It's, I think, the best selection of my stories to date. Um, yeah, there's a wide variety. Some are science fiction, some are kind of more satirical, some are horror, some are kind of crimey kind of stories. So it's, there's a bit of a mixture there. Um, the uh, slipcase edition from PS has got an additional two specially written stories that haven't appeared elsewhere and um, my relationship with PS continues in January when they publish a standalone novella called The Little Gift so that's I'm looking forward to that um, and I think the next thing on screen that I'm hoping will be announced well it's been announced actually but that doesn't mean nothing um, uh, that the the next thing that's going to be made, I hope, is a, a film called Extrasensory, which uh, my colleague who directed Ghostwatch, uh, Leslie Manning, is going to direct, and we're hoping for that to happen soon. It's kind of at the casting stage. So Very good. It'll be exciting if it happens soon. Sounds awesome. Um, so I, I, so, so the, that, frantic, uh, that frantic waving from producer Al says that we're about to run out of time. So we've got we've got three we've got three minutes. That's that's an eternity. We can talk about all sorts of nonsense. Let's let's <laughs> <coughs> let's do the entire chronicles of Shinnok. No, um, let's not. So um, yeah. So are you coming back? I'll start again with with, with Gav. So are you? Will, will we see you at Edgeley? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, the great thing is I live down the road. I live fifteen minutes drive away. So ah. this is my local convention. Really. Um, as much as anything else, um, uh, 
Uh, but it's a really nice one to come to. Like I say, it's a bit different from um, anything else, really. It's, it's quite small. It's not a huge convention, but actually it's got a very dedicated crowd. Alex and his team who organise it very much know what they're doing. And it's a really nice venue, actually. There's lots of different... The, the quad is quite a nice place to do stuff, both socialising, but also as a good panel spaces and workshop spaces. So, um, yeah, if I get an invite again, I'll definitely come in. Um, and if not, I'll buy a ticket and come I <laughs> uh, should point out, by the way, that uh, Edgelit 6, yes. goodness, Edgelit 6 will have uh, all sorts of exciting things happening. Uh, he says, frantically looking at his notes. It's uh, on July 15th. Stephen Baxter and Joanne Harris are confirmed as guests. Uh, they will be hosting the Gamble Awards, because the Gamble Awards... Oh, that's right, yes. It, yeah. it walks the earth. Does, it does, I like that. Um, uh, there's going to be agent one-to-ones with yeah. authors and agents kind of as a panel so you can watch them in action and, if you like. um, and by then we might find out whether Dr Seuss has sued Dr Spock and which doctor they should just have a fight they should, <laughs> oh, I'd be ready for that if it was, especially if it was like a wrestling style match no, 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 they've got to use the Amok Time theme, the Amok Arena theme. Yes, of course, they've got to use the Arena theme. One of the, the lawyers have to dress up as a gorm, uh, and that would be amazing. And obviously, the. Lurpers at dawn. Ty, Ty Templeton can and run around. David Gerald should show, throw tribbles at them while they're fighting. That, 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 I think that's. I'm going back to the original kind of beginning yeah. of the conversation. I think that's a gig that we need to have. <laughs> so I, I take it we'll see Paul, we'll see you yeah, eventually. Yeah, we'll see all being well, yeah. Stephen? Yeah, I'd love to. I, I think it's a really nice venue, the quad mm-hmm. in, in Derby. I think it's, you know, just nice to hang out. <laughs> I think some <laughs> funny things uh, happened here, though. Adam Neville was giving a talk about um, the dark world of horror writing <laughs> and a brass band. <laughs> and I thought, we, we, as he continued his reading from something like The Ritual, you know how Harry Potter is. The brass band got nearer and nearer with their kazoos going and their batons being thrown in the air. And I thought, they've got to turn off a side street. They've got to turn off a side street. And he kept resolutely reading this depraved and horrible description of vivisection or whatever else going on. And the brass band got nearer and nearer. And in the end, Adam just stopped and stared at us and said, this is the end of horror. (laughs) That's why I love this venue. And I think on that bombshell. Um, so uh, I've been Ed Fulchin. I've been Gapthorpe. I've been Paul Kent. I've been Ross. Steve Volk. And I've been Dal. See you again. Remember to like, subscribe, share, tell all your friends. Have fun and take care.